Hey guys, welcome to Precision Nutrition's The Complete Fitness Professional Podcast. I'm Dr. John Berardi, co-founder of Precision Nutrition, and if you're not familiar with us, over the last 15 years, we've become the world's largest online nutrition, fitness, and health coaching company. Most interesting for health and fitness pros, we've turned the lessons learned coaching over 200,000 clients into a complete nutrition and health coaching system called the Precision Nutrition Certification. It's the industry's most recognized career-changing coaching system anywhere. In this podcast, which is a mix of recorded articles, interviews, and roundtable discussions, myself and my Precision Nutrition colleagues will coach you on growing your business, helping more people, and becoming a better coach. We'll help you become more than a personal trainer, strength coach, or nutritionist. We'll help you become the complete fitness professional. So let's get started. Hey everyone, this is Bryce from Precision Nutrition, and today I'm reading the article, Effective Coach Talk, What to Say to Clients and Why It Matters, by Krista Scott Dixon and Ryan Andrews. Coaching clients to lasting success depends on saying the right things in the right ways at the right times and really connecting. In this article, we'll begin to show you how. Have you ever worked with a client with whom you've never really connected? Perhaps you played the role of a typical trainer. You provided nuggets of information, random statistics, and boot camp style encouragement. The client played the role of obedient follower with stock responses and hyperactive nods. You both went through the proper motions, but had no chemistry and got no lasting results. Well, time for a change. This isn't a hocus pocus way of tricking your clients into success. If only it were that easy. Instead, you collaborate with clients as a partner and a guide, helping them instead of directing them or pushing them. Essentially, it's all about change. Can we guarantee that our coaching strategies will always work for you? No, there's no holy gospel of coaching. But we've reviewed the research on what really works. We've consulted the experts who are really getting results. We've tried this stuff on ourselves. Most importantly, we've helped thousands of men and thousands of women make real, measurable, and lasting change. We'll share what we know and how you can benefit. In today's article, we'll cover coaching styles, powerful language, listening techniques, and practical solutions. Then, we'll invite you to follow up with our free 5-day video course for fitness professionals. And here's the payoff. Healthier clients who lead healthier lives. So let's start by looking at what's wrong with fitness coaching. Introducing awfulness coaching versus awesomeness coaching. Beginning with awfulness coaching. The nutrition and exercise field is full of scary-looking, arms-crossed, disciplinarian-type trainers. Men and women who look like they're more ready to punch you in the face than pick you up when you're down. They're not really meanies. They're just mimicking what they see other trainers and coaches doing. They think it's somehow required. Perhaps without realizing it, they're doing awfulness coaching. Awfulness coaching says the client is broken and has to be fixed. It focuses on what's wrong with the client and how to purge it. It identifies flaws and obsesses over them. It views good nutrition, movement, and health habits as something people have to be shamed into. It tells people to get into the gym and work off sins. It tells clients that they deserve to feel bad. An awfulness coach is a drill sergeant and an unrelenting ass-kicker. With all the yelling in the face and booting in the butt, clients don't know what direction to run in. They just know they need to get away. Now granted, fear motivates us, but only briefly. 
extreme approaches and drill sergeant-style coaching can produce the most impressive results short-term, but almost never work over the long-term. Something deep inside human beings resists being pressured into new decisions. Coach Hardass may try to use coercion, but along the way, she or he will destroy the change process for clients, and no evidence shows that feeling bad creates lasting behavior changes. So let's now talk about awesomeness coaching. Awesomeness coaching, on the other hand, finds the awesomeness within the client. We help the client find what's fun and joyful in their life and chase it. We view nutritious eating, movement, and health habits as a path to living life with purpose. We talk to clients about getting outside to play, about feeling good in their bodies, not ashamed or exhausted. An awesomeness-based coach is also a guide on the road to total wellness. While clients may be hesitant, we can grab their hand and offer to go in with them rather than shoving them forward alone. So ask yourself, do you want your clients scared of you? Or do you want your clients to feel like working with you is a celebration of health and fitness while they love every minute of it? I think you know the answer to that one. Now, as a coach, you have considerable expertise, but your clients are the experts on their own bodies and lives. They live in their bodies and experiences 24-7. You don't. Clients have their own abilities and reasons for change. So your job is to find and develop these. It's called client-centered coaching. When a client can identify their own limiting factors and then, more excitingly, propose their own solutions, we have a recipe for sustainable, long-term behavior change. Another bonus? We tend to believe what we hear ourselves say. If a client generates and describes a solution, they'll likely embrace it. More on that language in a second. Now remember, it's about making decisions based on what really works best for the client, not based on what you think should work best for them. This is client-centered, rather than coach-centered coaching. And also keep in mind, language is powerful. You can help clients examine their behaviors and work towards their goals with the following kinds of questions. The first is explore. Ask open-ended questions that explore options, values, and possible outcomes without judgment. For example, what things are most important to you? How does your exercise and eating fit into this? Or what sorts of things would you like to accomplish in your life? What would you like to see change? If things were better with your eating or exercise, what would be different? And what have you already tried? What worked or didn't work? And so forth. The second type, imagine. Help clients visualize a new way of living by using their creative imaginations. Yes, just like in kindergarten. For example, imagine you can do X. Or imagine you are already dot dot dot. Or how about imagine that you have the body and health you desire. What did it take for you to achieve it? Now the third type of question, breed success. Be solution focused and emphasize that often clients have already succeeded. All you need to do is help them expand the awesome. For example, when in the past were you successful with this, even just a little bit? And how could we do more of that? Now our fourth type, sense into problems. Share your observations and intuitions. This is non-confrontational and helps to make sure you and the client are on the same page with the immediate issue. For example, I get the sense that dot dot dot, or even it seems to me like dot dot dot. Our fifth type, speculate. Open-ended, speculative statements can get clients thinking and responding to possible choices. These aren't exactly questions, but they do act like them. For example, I wonder what it would be like if you did such and such, or I wonder if we could try dot dot dot, and so forth. Now for our next type of question, 
evoke change talk. With this, you get the client talking about change on their own terms. Here are some examples. In what ways does this concern you? If you decide to make a change, what makes you think you could do it? How would you like things to be different? How would things be better if you changed? What concerns you now about your current exercise and eating patterns? And for our next type of question, assess readiness. Establish how confident and ready a client is to make a change. No readiness means no change, no matter how great a coach you are. Once clients identify a behavior they want to change, follow up with this kind of question. If you decide to change, on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you that you could change? When 1 represents not at all confident and 10 equals extremely confident. And if your client responds with a 9 or 10, great. If they respond with a lower number, ask them how they can make the selected behavior less overwhelming. Or you could use the half measures rule, which says, if you suck at something, cut it in half. In other words, keep dividing a large problem or challenge into small, manageable steps until you can handle it. And here's another type of question for you. Plan next steps. Instead of directing a client forward, have them generate their own solutions. For example, so given all of this, what do you think you'll do next? Or what's next for you? Or even, if nothing changes, what do you see happening in five years? And if you decide to change, what will it be like? Or how would you like things to be different? And with all this, remember, give advice carefully. Find out if clients want your advice. Some will and some won't. If you do give advice, keep it general and experiential. For example, in my work with clients like yourself, I found that dot dot dot. Now that you have some ideas for powerful coaching language to use, let's apply them in some specific scenarios to move the change process forward. And here's scenario number one, change talk wedge. Begin by validating and affirming the opposite of what they should be doing. Yeah, we know it sounds weird, but you might say something like, wow, it really sounds like you have a lot on your plate. I can see how it's tough to schedule gym time. Or, I know it can be hard to resist those homemade brownies. And be sincere here. Genuinely empathize if you can. Sarcasm usually backfires and creates hostility. Then, wait. After validating and affirming the opposite, be quiet. Don't be afraid to open up the space and let them fall into it. Don't rush. Be patient, empathetic, and attentive. Next, listen for change talk. It won't always come, but many times clients will argue for changing their behaviors. A client might say something like, Yeah, I know I do have a lot going on, but I really should do XYZ. I know I would feel better. Or, honestly, I don't think I really need three brownies. I'd probably be happy with just one. And next, drive that wedge in to create a change talk opening. Using their language, reflect and imply, but don't push, a next action. Focus on concrete to-dos. You could say something like, Well, it sounds like you think you'd feel better if you did X, Y, and Z. Or, It sounds like maybe one brownie would be enough for you. Then wait again. Listen for further change talk and repeat as needed. Keep wiggling the change wedge in further and further, slowly. Go at their speed. Okay, let's look at a second scenario, continuum. With this scenario, you use after listening for change talk. Be sure you understand the situation first, of course. Have clients imagine a spectrum or continuum of behaviors, from worse to better. Then help them move a notch. Highlight the benefits of doing so. For example, say something like, Okay, it sounds like you want to do X, but going all the way to Y feels like too much. The good news is that you don't have to do it all right away. 
What a relief, eh? What could you do that would be x plus 1? And then scale back as needed. For example, oh, x plus 2 is awesome, we'll get to that. But what about that x plus 1 instead? That seems even more manageable. Then follow up with a strategy for immediate execution. For example, x plus 1 sounds like a great idea. How are you going to make that happen today? And how can I help? Once action is assigned, book follow-up. Okay, mark this on your calendar. I'd like to hear from you tomorrow, or by Friday, to tell me how you did with x plus 1. Now our third scenario, crazy questions. With this scenario, you ask your client some questions that they might not expect. To do this, listen, validate, affirm. You preface it by saying, I know this is wacky, but... Then go on to reiterate what they just said about their understanding of the problem. And then say, okay, I'm going to ask you two crazy questions, and I know this is going to sound really weird, but just humor me. Next, ask your crazy questions. For example, what is good about X behavior? Now remember, X behavior is the problem behavior we want to change. And what is bad about changing? What would you lose or give up if you got rid of X? Next, normalize and empathize. You can begin by normalizing and empathizing with the unwanted behavior first, using the seemingly weird technique of first arguing slightly in favor of not changing. For example, wow, yeah, it sounds like there's a lot going on for you there. I think we'd all want a few cookies in that situation. And of course, your client would probably say, yeah, but I really should find a better way to deal with this. And hey, looky here, they propose the change, not you, the coach. After that, allow space and time to grieve the loss of the status quo. For example, well, tell you what, there's no rush to do this. When you're ready, why don't you try, for example, moving one notch along the continuum, or doing the behavior you proposed, or thinking about how you could more effectively live the values you describe. And lastly, don't let them off the hook. Follow up in a few days as needed. All right, let's move on to scenario number four. Choose your own adventure. With this one, we affirm, validate, hear, and normalize. For example, yes, I hear you and understand what you're thinking or feeling, experiencing, and it's quite normal. Lots of people go through this. And then next, you ask leading rhetorical questions. Now, this isn't a dialogue invitation. It's a tell-yourself-what-to-do question. For example, it sounds like you already have a good sense of what some of the key issues are. Knowing this, if you were the coach, what would you recommend? In other words, how would you, the client, solve your own problem? Next, rank confidence. After they've proposed a solution, have the client rank their own confidence in doing the solution. Then, affirm and book follow-up. Tell them you think they've come up with a good solution, and then ask them to check back in in a few days to share their success. Now, with all of these suggestions for creating effective coach talk, regardless of which field you're coming from, Developing your skill set and becoming a great coach does take education and practice. So if you'd like to fast-track the process, well, consider working with us. Our next Precision Nutrition Certification Group will kick off shortly and is designed to teach fitness, strength, nutrition, and rehab professionals how to be awesome coaches and help clients get in the best shape of their lives. You can learn more by visiting us online at precisionnutrition.com. This has been Bryce from Precision Nutrition reading today's article, Effective Coach Talk, What to Say to Clients and Why It Matters, by Krista Scott Dixon and Ryan Andrews.
You can read the article online yourself at precisionnutrition.com forward slash effective dash coach dash talk. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great day. Okay, everyone, that's it for this week's edition of Precision Nutrition's The Complete Fitness Professional Podcast. For more information about how to become the complete fitness professional yourself and for some awesome free nutrition and coaching resources, come visit us on the web at www.precisionnutrition.com. You could also visit us on Facebook or on Twitter at InsidePN. Talk to you next time.